Bing bong. I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast with a very, very special guest, John Melrood. He is an expert in everything that comes to the publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies and Bitcoin mining itself. He's also uh, got a big energy background, so he brings a unique perspective, very bullish on Bitcoin and just overall very knowledgeable. Uh, he brings his great knowledge and expertise to this conversation. So be sure to tune in and I'd like to thank my sponsor. I give him a little shout out here in a, in a little bit as well, but coddle.co, C-O-D-L.co. If you guys hopped on that, that uh, Cyber Monday deal, 30% off using promo code Green Candle, I'm very happy for you. But if you missed it, if you missed it, promo code Green Candle, that's G-R-E-E-N-C-A-N-D-L-E at coddle.co. For anything you can possibly think of that you could order, you'll still get 10% off. So I'm still vouching for you guys out there, all the candies out there, the candle crew. I don't know what to call you guys just yet, but I'm vouching for you and I'm getting some deals out there for you. So be sure to buy those punch plates and get your Bitcoin off exchanges. And as always, ladies and gents, this is not, 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 not financial advice and should never be taken as financial advice. Everything said in this podcast is the opinion of myself and Jerron and should never be taken as financial advice. Now, with that mouthful, let's get to the episode. Whoosh. Bing bong. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Coddle.co, that's C-O-D-L dot C-O. And if you guys missed your opportunity to get 30% off with my promo code, don't worry. I still have a promo code for you. It's still Green Candle. That's lowercase G-R-E-E-N-C-A-N-D-L-E for 10% off. I told you to get it before Cyber Monday, so hopefully you did and you capitalized on that opportunity. But I'm still getting some off for you. So if you need a punch plate or something along those lines, get your Bitcoin off exchanges and use one of these punch plates, you know, 10% off, not a bad deal. So visit our friends at coddle.co. And I've got a very, very special guest for you. I got Jaron Melrood. And if you're not following him on Twitter, he's probably one of the better Twitter follows as far as breaking down, uh, you know, Bitcoin miners, their balance sheet and everything going on in this space. So we're going to have a banger of a conversation. So Jaron, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. So uh, thanks for having me. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Other than this, uh, you know, this bear market, you know, I'm, uh, I'm feeling all right, but you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in Bitcoin and kind of how you how you found it and yeah, how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I've been interested in investment since my late teens and mostly stocks. I first heard about Bitcoin in 2013. A friend told me about it. He wanted to buy it. And I was like, no, 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 that's a stupid idea. It's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. It's probably a scam. So he didn't buy it <laughs> and I didn't buy it either. And he is still angry uh, on me uh, for that. So uh, during the summer of 2017, um, a lot of my friends started to buy. And I also thought that, okay, now, now it's time to buy some. The price then was like $3,000. 
So I bought some Bitcoin at $3,000 and then one month later, it fell down to $2,000 and I panic sold everything. And, <laughs> and then during uh, the bull market of 2017, later uh, that year, the price hit like $20,000 and uh, I had sold everything at $2,000. So when I saw all my like, not the, my smartest friends who had just held on to it, <laughs> They, they earned a lot of money and I didn't. So I was really angry and I started to hate Bitcoin. So, um, and the reason why I hated Bitcoin was because I missed the boat. So I understand the psychology of people who hate Bitcoin is often because they, they missed buying and uh, now they're just jealous of everyone who, who bought early. So then uh, it went some years without me thinking about Bitcoin again. And um, I studied energy management in university. And um, on the side of university, on my free time, I, I was really interested in investments. Um, but uh, I felt that stocks had, had gotten really overvalued. So I sold all my stocks in 2020. And I had all this money in my bank account and I started to think about where to invest them. I couldn't invest them in stocks. So, and then uh, this was in the beginning of, uh, of uh, when COVID launched and uh, I was sitting at home and I looked at this chart of the money supply going through the roof <laughs> and I had all this money in the bank and I was like, I, I can't have money in the bank now. I need to find somewhere to put them. <laughs> and until that point, I had really taken... Um, taking all the like financial system completely for granted. I didn't think that it was so rotten as it really is. So when I saw this chart, I started to, uh, to look into the, the macroeconomy and the state of the banking system. And one day it just struck me like this Bitcoin thing, which I bought in like 2017 and then sold. Maybe, maybe it's a need for that. So in the coming months in 2020 during the lockdowns i just manically studied bitcoin and fell deep into the rabbit hole and i had to write my master thesis in energy management that year so i figured that bitcoin mining uses a lot of energy i study energy management probably i can write about bitcoin mining so i wrote my master thesis on bitcoin mining and um after I was done in university, I got a job as a research analyst in Arcane Research, uh, like crypto market research analyst. But I, I focused on Bitcoin mining. And uh, now I just got a job as an analyst in Luxor, which is a Bitcoin mining technology company. And I also work as an analyst in Verity Funds, which is a Bitcoin mining ETF provider. So what the really got me interested in bitcoin mining is my energy background studying energy management and uh, i just think it's so fascinating that uh, you actually can turn uh, just turn uh, energy into money uh, that's that's so fascinating to think about so yeah i'm, I'm really bullish on bitcoin especially uh, bitcoin mining yeah, and I think that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people when they go through academics, at least in the United States, I don't know how it is, you know, in, in Europe necessarily, but the United States, a lot of times these these academics, when they go through energy and kind of like the adult process, they, I don't know if it's just a negative connotation that the politicians put on it or what, but there's always this FUD that, you know, Bitcoin mining is kind of bad for the environment and, you know, wastes a lot of energy and all that. So, 
you know, as somebody with like an energy background as yourself, do you have any colleagues or, or anything like that, 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 you know, kind of think that way? And how do you kind of approach that, that question and, and talk to people about that? Actually, most people I met uh, in the energy sector are like, they're not that bearish on Bitcoin. They, they don't hate Bitcoin like many politicians do. They're quite nuanced about it, but of course they're skeptical and particularly now when the Bitcoin price has fallen uh, to like 16, 17K and that would make anyone skeptical. But yeah, in, in general, um, they're they're quite open to it. And I, I believe that uh, we will see more and more energy people come into Bitcoin mining. And of course it's much easier for people from the energy industry to understand Bitcoin and especially mining because it's directly linked to energy so they can understand it and it's so many people from the energy industry that has gotten into Bitcoin through them understanding Bitcoin mining and then they start to learn more about just the monetary side of Bitcoin and they become Bitcoiners so I'm, I'm quite bullish on it to be honest. Yeah, and I am as well, obviously. So, but I mean, I think it's interesting too because, <clears throat> you know, here in the United States, we have a big state, state of Texas, which is historically one of the more energy rich states in the country. And it seems like they're very, very bullish on Bitcoin, especially, you know, when it, when it comes to the energy and the mining aspect of it as well. So I always think it's interesting when a lot of these, you know, politicians kind of come at Bitcoin and say, you know, it's bad for the environment, it wastes a lot of energy. Um, but you know, we, we are kind of in an interesting place in the market right now where a lot of the, I, I guess there's a lot of outside factors kind of bringing in the price and it's hurting a lot of Bitcoin miners right now because, you know, I, I, we've got a lot of things going on, obviously in, in Europe with the Russia, Ukraine. Um, and then, you know, we've got the FTX scandal kind of breaking down the Bitcoin price. So, I feel like it's a very interesting and kind of telling point for Bitcoin miners right now. So overall, I'm going to give you a really broad question here. Like, how is the overall health and like aspect of the overall Bitcoin mining industry? Obviously, you know, it, it's, it's a big, strong industry and, it, and it's uh, made quite a bit of profit last year. But this year, it seems like it's it's hurting a little bit because of the price. So, you know, uh, as somebody who takes dives into the research, you know, how, how does it look to you? Yeah, if it's uh, one word to describe the current state of the Bitcoin mining industry, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's, um, of course, some Bitcoin miners have a strong balance sheet, stronger balance sheet than others, and also have much lower cost of production than others. So some miners go are going to be completely fine and probably come out of this even stronger than they were before because they will be able to to expand during the depressed prices we see now and maybe acquire some of their uh, indebted competitors but uh, in general the whole industry is going through a really really difficult phase and this uh, year 2022 has been the the toughest year in the history of industrial scale bitcoin mining and there are four reasons for that like first of course is the falling bitcoin price then uh, at the same time as the Bitcoin price has fallen, the hash rate has just soared. 
Uh, and the third reason is the increasing energy prices. And then we have also seen the interest rates increase. So miners find it harder to, to, uh, to make the, the, the debt service payments and also to take on new loans, which they might need right now. So, so to sum it up, the, the falling Bitcoin price and the increasing hash rate has led to lower revenues for the, for the Bitcoin miners. And then the increasing energy prices and the increasing interest rates are also increasing the cost side. So miners are like hit from both the revenue side and the cost side. So the margins have been are just shrunk completely. And um, the the best miners right now, the 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 most cost efficient miners, they're operating at about yeah, let's say 60, 70 percent uh, gross margin. So they uh, they uh, the bitcoin price right now is 17000 so they probably uh, can um, can produce a bitcoin for let's say 6 7000 dollars so they they actually earn quite a good still a good spread on the bitcoin production but there are a lot of miners who pay relatively high energy costs and um, they are barely making any any cash flow right now and then when you have the huge debt payments to make each month and you don't have the cash flow to make these debt payments that means that you have to drain your existing uh, liquidity the cash reserves and you have to sell the bitcoin to get cash to pay the the debt payments each month and when those run out you uh, you have no other choice but to either try to raise equity which is really really hard in this environment and uh, that means that the last point is to declare bankruptcy. And we we have seen uh, Core Scientific. They announced that they actually might have to declare bankruptcy since because they are running out of cash. Uh, Argo Blockchain they had a similar announcement um, because they couldn't. They needed to raise equity from some investors, um, and they couldn't do it. Uh, so uh, then the share prices plummeted by like 70%. And um, yeah, so in general, the most indebted Bitcoin miners who also didn't secure their energy prices, they are in big tr trouble now. But those who have little debt and have long-term fixed price power purchase agreements, hedged electricity prices, they are in pretty, in pretty good shape. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the ones that were kind of, uh, I guess, are that are in bad shape right now, uh, you know, kind of were buying Bitcoin or, you know, kind of over leveraging when Bitcoin was around the 30K and then the rise up to the 60K price. So, you know, I guess, how do Bitcoin miners, uh, you know, get a little bit better suited going on into the future? Because it seems like, you know, this, you know, maybe we had 50 or so uh, publicly traded Bitcoin miners uh, you know, before this bear market started and, you know, it looks like that number might even cut in half or, or get like pretty close to that. Um, so, you know, how do we kind of look at the miners that are, you know, stronger balanced for this, especially going into the next bear market? Because it seems like, you know, when when the everything's going well and the, the Bitcoin price is ripping and going up, everybody's kind of, you know, at least on Twitter, applauding these mining companies for, you know, uh, taking loans against their Bitcoin or taking loans against their machines, which are obviously a depreciating asset, and then kind of using that debt to, you know, try to increase their business. 
um, and take some of those risks. And obviously, you know, as such a volatile asset as Bitcoin is, um, at least right now, you know, that it that is a bigger risk than normal uh, than a normal company kind of taking, a, you know, a loan against their assets. So, you know, how do we kind of, I guess, look at and analyze some of these balance sheets in order to see, especially during the next, you know, potential bull run, the ones that are met best suited for, you know, the next bear market? Yeah. So first of all, I am. Um... I don't think uh, most Bitcoin mining companies, especially the public ones, were uh, were prepared for a 16K Bitcoin price. At least I was not prepared for it. I, I, I always thought that 20K would be the, the like minimum floor here. So I, I under, kind of understand that they took all this risk uh, because they didn't anticipate that market conditions would be this bad. It was kind of a black swan event of everything going against them at the same time. But um, I think um, Bitcoin miners will uh, learn from this, or at least they should learn from this. There will always be some who don't learn from this. Um, and the main learning point is to uh, to improve the 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 certification so, so, so of risk management for these companies. They will need to to have a, a very sophisticated um, balance sheet and risk management strategy, which takes all factors into account, how much Bitcoin they hold uh, in the relation to the rest of their assets, uh, how many Bitcoin mining machines they hold, like how exposed they are to the Bitcoin price. Because the name of the game in 2021 and beginning of 2022 was just to increase your exposure to the Bitcoin price as much as possible. And the, so, so these companies actually wanted to be really, really, uh, really, really uh, high beta, you can say, Bitcoin investments, because that's what shareholders wanted. So they, they took on loans on their Bitcoin instead of selling the Bitcoin to, to, to pay energy costs. They, some of these companies took on huge loans loans collateralized by their Bitcoin positions and use this money to pay for, for operating expenses. Uh, taking on such loans backed by Bitcoin or backed by machines, which are extremely correlated to the Bitcoin price, only makes the, the miner more, uh, more um, leveraged long Bitcoin. So, uh, and, and to build a, a sustainable business that can last for, for decades, I think it's, it's not that wise to, to, to try to, to increase the, 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 the leverage on the underlying commodity that you produce. For example, oil producers, they, they are not hodling oil. They are, uh, they're, their focus is to make a margin on the, on the price of oil and uh, the production cost of that barrel of oil. If they can make a good margin there and have lower cost than their competitors, they have a very, very sustainable long-term business. And the, the name of the game in the oil industry is to reduce your risk to the underlying commodity as much as possible because they will always be long oil because they are producing oil. So they're trying to reduce their this like long exposure to oil. And I think we will see the same in the Bitcoin mining industry. Of course, it's much better to hodl Bitcoin than to hodl oil, uh, because in the long term, oil uh, is not uh, really destined to increase in price, which Bitcoin is. 
so I'm not against Bitcoin miners holding Bitcoin, but I, I just think they need to just reduce their Bitcoin uh, exposure just a little bit so that they will not be that vulnerable if the Bitcoin price falls like it has right now. But then, you know, I guess how do they, how do Bitcoin miners kind of balance that? I, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's very difficult, right? Because like you said, you know, you didn't ex anticipate seeing Bitcoin get down to this low price and neither did, I'm sure, many of the mining companies as well. So, you know, I guess, is it just kind of one of those situations like prepare for the absolute worst yeah. kind of thing and, and have like, you know, a bunch of reserves for, you know, multiple years and, um, you know, on that note too, then, then I guess, uh, why, why hold Bitcoin then and not just hold all cash? Yeah. I I'm also against just, uh, holding cash because of course cash is uh, one of the most depreciating assets that, uh, exists. So, so that, that's not too good either. And also the shareholders of these miners will not accept that the miners just uh, hold, they raise a lot of money from shareholders and just keep them in the bank account. Of course, if a miner has cash, they should invest this cash. So, so um, that's not, uh, it's not really favorable to hold this cash either. So that, that's, that's one thing that, that goes in the, the holding Bitcoin favor because a miner should have some reserves for the bad times. And the only way for a miner to have these reserves is actually to hold Bitcoin. So you see now the, the, mine, the public miners who held on to the most Bitcoin, they're also the one who has the strongest balance sheets right now, because if they really need, they can liquidate this Bitcoin and uh, pay down their debts or use this uh, Bitcoin to pay for expansions, for example. So. It's hard to say what is the optimal balance sheet strategy. Um, I don't think there, there is one which is uh, like really much better than the others, but I think each miner just needs to just need to think about how exposed there are to, to the Bitcoin price, like doing some scenario analysis. If the Bitcoin price falls to $10,000, for example, what will happen to my company? Um, because at least in my head, the point of having a company is to have it for the long term and like build it up as a long term sustainable business. And I know that that is hard to do, especially for the for public companies, which are more um, driven towards short term thinking, because, of course, uh, in stock investors are like short term thinking uh, investors generally. Yeah. And, and I mean, on that note, too, though, uh, so I think the, the low price right now is not good, obviously, for miners because they're they're losing on that margin. But what I think might be worse might be, you know, just kind of floating around where we're at at this price and really not showing any volatility. Right. Um, where we'll kind of stay between this, you know, maybe 16 to 20 K realm. And if we're here for for you know maybe a, a, an extended period of time maybe even up to the next having or maybe even past that and the hash rate kind of keeps increasing you know how do i guess how is this mining uh industry going to be affected is it going to be one of those things where you know maybe a big oil company like a shell or an exxon Mobil, you know who's just using the fracking from uh you know their oil runoff 
to, to mine Bitcoin and they don't really care about the price. They're just happy that they're making money on lost energy. Is that going to be kind of the future? Or, you know, do you think there's still going to be some space for some of these miners who, you know, just still that that's their main source of revenue is just uh, Bitcoin mining specifically? Uh, with with the Bitcoin price at the current levels, the Bitcoin mining company, most Bitcoin mining companies don't make that much uh, money. Uh, so if the Bitcoin price stays at the current levels for an extended period of time, let's say to, until the next halving, we will see the those with uh, relatively high debt uh, service payments to make each month. They will eventually run out of cash and uh, go bankrupt. But then we will see the, the, the companies with strong balance sheet sheets who don't need to make these uh, debt payments. They will uh, they will thrive and they can potentially buy the assets of these struggling companies. So, uh, but uh, of course, for for the entire industry, it will be uh, like it will be really hard to to have the Bitcoin price at these levels. Um, so uh, and and that that also makes it more possible for. For these energy companies to come in and potentially purchase a huge struggling player just to get the machines and the uh, some some infrastructure there and if that happens i don't think that the energy companies let's say shell for example if they had the possibility to buy one of um, core scientific's facilities i don't think shell would like operate a facility bitcoin mining facility in the middle of uh, kentucky i think uh, they would uh, move the machines to to their uh, site to to their energy source to to their uh, natural gas sources and they would mine bitcoin directly at the energy source so that's the thing when the when the energy companies enter bitcoin mining they will uh, like most of the bitcoin mining capacity will move to directly to the energy source like right right next to the hydropower dams right next to the wind farms uh, right next to the natural gas uh, like uh, the the oil well that produces also natural gas there will be some grid connected miners also but they will uh, provide uh, these demand response services to stabilize the grid and there might be some energy companies that could be interested in in buying, for example, um, a riot, for example, which is huge in Texas and providing all these demand response uh, grid stabilization services, which are really necessary for that grid. Um, but uh, once again, riot is uh, really strong, so I don't think they will uh, not survive this bear market. Uh, it's just just an example. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, on that note, we've kind of talked about a lot of uh, companies that have exposure in, in America. But, you know, what worries me now is, is what's going on kind of in Europe with the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Obviously, in Germany, they're having, you know, a, the potential of an energy crisis. Um, so, you know, are the miners in Europe with a lot of that, you know, exposure, rising energy costs? You know, I know, at least from some of the minor publicly traded mining companies, the CEOs and mining officers that I've talked to here, they say that they have a contract with a lot of these energy companies to, you know, X amount of cents per kilowatt hour for a certain period of time. Is that kind of the situation with a lot of the miners in Europe? And if not, you know, how how bad is it going to be when uh, you know these energy prices just keep fluctuating and kind of increasing over there? Yeah, so um, 
that's an interesting question because uh, right now uh, there is basically no mining in uh, in europe on the like con continental part of europe there's no mining there was a little bit mining there like energy prices have always been quite high in europe but in 2021 the the profitability of bitcoin mining were were so was so high that it was actually profitable to mine even in in germany so you had some mining in in central europe uh, but now after the after the ukraine war started and energy prices just going through the roof all the mining operations have been forced out of europe and um, even if you had a long term uh, power contract in a fixed price power contract in europe i wouldn't feel uh, safe about that because energy has become so politicized in europe that for a miner to sit in the middle of Germany and just use uh, tens of uh, megawatts for Bitcoin mining while the, the German, the normal German the people are freezing, <laughs> freezing to death. <laughs> I don't think that would be too popular. And I don't think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they just uh, like uh, remove this power contract. It was not allowing them to have such power contracts. So in Europe right now, no mining. If we go a little bit north in Europe, I live in Norway. Uh, we have a lot of mining in Norway and northern Sweden and also Iceland. So basically the, the most remote places in Europe have some Bitcoin mining. And the reason is that uh, northern Norway, northern Sweden and Iceland are not that connected to the European grid. So the, the grids, the grids in, uh, in the most northern part of Europe, the most remote parts are really isolated. So um, therefore we have a lot of mining here, like the energy price, electricity prices in northern Norway are, are among the lowest in the world right now. So uh, we have seen a huge ramp up in mining capacity here over the last, uh, the last couple of years. And uh, the interesting thing about Norway is that the the southern part of the country is uh, is very connected to the european power market but between the southern part and the northern part there is barely any transmission capacity so you have a you have a, about 20 times higher power prices in the southern part than in the northern part so all the miners that previously operated in the southern part before the european energy prices went through the roof they, they now move to the northern part. So, um, so uh, yeah, that's what's happening with, with the mining situation in, in Europe. Uh, no one are mining in Central Europe, uh, but a lot of miners are operating in the northern parts. Yeah, so do you kind of see, I guess, uh, now I want to bring it to the at-home miners, because I think this is this is kind of interesting. Obviously, it's advantageous to mine Bitcoin, get those KYC sats, uh, KYC free sats, and, and kind of do it that way. But, you know, it seems like with the increasing hash rate and, you know, energy prices, like we were saying, even for in the United States, you know, if you're not getting, uh, you know, or you're not using a ton of energy, it's it's pretty hard to negotiate with uh, some of these energy companies to get, you know, a lower rate. And so you might be losing money. And, you know, obviously the, the home miners, it's not exactly like easy to, to maintain if, if you're not really tech savvy or anything like that. Obviously, they make a lot of noise. Um, they give off a lot of heat. Maybe the heat could be good and, and can be used in places like, you know, where you're at. But 
Um, you know, do you kind of see, I guess, the, the future of home mining kind of going down the toilet here, but just because of, uh, you know, the rising costs of maintaining the machines and, and uh, you know, even mining in general? Yeah, um, I wish I, I was more bullish on home mining than I am. Uh, because I think long-term mining will go towards an extremely low-margin business, and you will have to have basically zero energy price to to mine Bitcoin profitably. And no, no one has zero energy price at home. So maybe someone will want to mine Bitcoin at a loss, but uh, I wouldn't want to do it even to get this KYC-free sats, which we all love. Um, I was actually looking like in Norway right now <clears throat> in order Norway the energy price like I think long term you could expect an energy price of about um, four cents per kilowatt hour uh, and the, the break even price for an Antminer S19J Pro now is around eight cents so theoretically you could make a 50% margin just by home mining but you have to remember that you have all these other fees on top of your energy cost. You have the transmission fees, you have the distribution fees, you have the energy tax. And so in the end, you will even even if you operate in the in the cheapest grid in the world, which is northern Norway, you will barely break even if you mine at home. I was actually running the calculations because I was considering to buy uh, some miners myself and uh, and uh, mine at home uh, but i found out that the the payback period of these miners i would have to mine for like for like three years something like that uh to 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 get back my investment and that's it it's not the end of the world but uh, it's still uh, too high for me i'm tr I, I want to make like I don't want to, to mine Bitcoin only to get the KYC free sats. I want also to get some return on my investment. And, and I think that will be really hard for most home miners. But that being said, if you, uh, if you repurpose the heat from the operation and you really need heat for something, then it can be profitable. If you, let's say you have a, you have a pool in your garden that needs to be heated. Yeah, then you can, uh, why not just heat it with the heat from the Bitcoin mining uh, machines? Like if you're going to reuse the heat and use the heat two times, then then I don't think it's it's a bad decision to mine Bitcoin even with, with at a loss, a small loss. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's going to be more advantageous for people to kind of use that runoff energy, maybe get a little bit more creative with how they use that, um, you know, whether it's, you know, like you said, like using it for heat of a home, maybe uh, maybe a hot water heater or something like that, hot tub. You know, I've, I've heard a, a bunch of different creative aspects of that. So I think like that that might be the, the future, I guess, for the at-home miner, uh, maybe getting to a point where, you know, companies are just kind of setting up these home miners to help heat, you know, different aspects of, of a home or whatever, entertainment place or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, 
the company's just essentially just earning the profit of the Bitcoin miners and the people not even knowing really it's there. So, you know, is that kind of like, are you seeing a lot of that innovation kind of start? Um, you know, I've, I've heard some rumblings here in the U.S., but I don't know if like you guys are really experiencing it there. And, you know, I'm also in Florida, so it's hot year round here. So I don't really get too many people, you know, using the heat runoff as maybe you might up in Norway. Yeah, I, I've see, I see a lot of innovation here and it's all really started, uh, I would say, yeah, I would say the real innovation in heat recovery from mining started in the end of 2021 and beginning of 2022. We see like all miners in Northern Norway, for example, are uh, at least planning what to do with their, uh, their excess heat. I've heard, uh, and some are, are 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 building greenhouses. Like I know in northern Sweden, there are at least uh, two huge greenhouses that are heated by Bitcoin mining machines. In northern Norway, I know a company building a massive greenhouse. I think it will be one of the biggest greenhouses in Norway, and that will be heated by Bitcoin mining, and they will grow tomatoes there. And what is really interesting about that is that building such a huge greenhouse in northern Norway where it's really cold wouldn't be profitable without the heat from from the Bitcoin miners so they get free heating and uh, this this creates also a lot of jobs in the greenhouse so the Bitcoin mining operation itself will will might have like 10 jobs or something but the greenhouse will might might have like 20 30 jobs so you can actually create a lot more jobs which will make your position in the local community much stronger and that's really valuable now when uh, when um, you know we have some politicians in norway who like talk about banning bitcoin mining and all that it's much harder to ban bitcoin mining if you by banning it you, you remove a lot of jobs because there it was like a lot of other companies relying on the heat from this business and all these things so um yeah you have the greenhouses i've heard some miners talking about creating a spa in northern norway <laughs> that's really creative um you could also like distill whiskey with the heat from bitcoin mining there's um a company in canada called mint green which is doing that um you could heat cities with bitcoin mining you can have a like you, you can use the heat for all kinds of purposes. And I, I think we're just just recently starting to see the innovation there. And I'm just really, really, really bullish on, on this. In five years, I can imagine how many, how, how far this technology will, will have come. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the interesting part. You know, it's, it's kind of like what I alluded to a little bit earlier is a lot of these companies you know, that, that start mining Bitcoin or using Bitcoin miners aren't going to really look at Bitcoin mining as their like main source of income. And that's where I think like we're, we're kind of seeing a lot of these Bitcoin miners falter right now because, you know, that that's their main source of income, their main, you know, revenue, whatever uh, main business. But a lot of these other companies and innovations that we're seeing around the space are, you know, to utilize the heat for something else, right? So it's like, or utilize runoff energy in order to mine Bitcoin. So, you know, personally, that's kind of where I see the space going. Uh, do, do you kind of see the same thing? Or are you, do you still think there's going to be space for companies that just strictly mine Bitcoin and that's it? 
I think uh, Bitcoin mining is such a cutthroat competitive industry that in the future, if you're going in the long term, if you're going to survive, you need to have basically a zero energy price. And uh, that means that grid connected miners just connect to the grid somewhere and build a warehouse and just mine Bitcoin. I don't think they will be able to survive in the in the long term. So um, like some grid connected miners might be those who provide these demand response services where they get paid to shut off their operations um, in times of, uh, of, um, of uh, surging energy supply, no energy demand. They might be able to, to mine Bitcoin because these payments they receive are so uh, reduced their overall in power cost so much that it's still profitable. But uh, you will have to either you will have to reuse the heat in some kind of way, like to sell the heat to someone, or you you will have to uh, to use basically wasted energy. You will have to use the energy directly at the at the uh, the site. That's why I think in the future the operations will migrate away from just connecting to the grid somewhere to uh, hydro power plants to the wind farms and to the natural gas sites uh, and to the behind the meter at the nuclear power plants because to to reduce the the energy cost as much as possible the the best thing you can do is just to to reduce the transportation cost of that energy you should if you move your facility directly to the energy source Okay, let's take core scientific's example again in Kentucky. If they just have a, a facility in the middle of Kentucky, which are not that close to any power plants, I don't know the exact grid mix in Kentucky, but let's say they use natural gas. First, the natural gas power plant has to to um, to get the energy from the from the natural gas site. It has to go go in pipes to the to the power plant. That costs money. This power, uh, this pipe costs a lot of money. Then, uh, then the natural gas power plant need to to generate electricity and send this electricity through transmission cables to uh, to a substation that reduces the voltage of this electricity and then goes into the machines. Of course, scientific. That's uh, a lot of energy uh, lost in this whole process. And a lot of, uh, of money spent on all this infrastructure required, all these cables and pipelines required to take the energy from the natural gas site to the facility where it is actually being used. So um, I, I don't see this uh, like grid connecting. The miners have such a, a great future in the long term. I think they will have to be really creative to lower their energy cost and of course the best way to do it is to go directly to the to the site where you have the energy and as i said the other way to do it is to just reuse the heat uh, reuse the heat of the operation yeah exactly and i, and I think like people are going to be more more creative as as time goes on so but you know as far as you know obviously we've talked this entire time about the bitcoin mining space but a lot has gone on on the side of bitcoin right so we've seen you know, FTX, a lot of like outside kind of FUD has come around the entire space. 
Um, so, you know, for people and like friends, family that understand, you know, that you work in Bitcoin mining, whatever, but don't really have a general understanding, I guess, of the entire space. And they see things like this, you know, with FTX and, and all this other, you know, garbage that's going on. What do you kind of tell them to kind of, I, I guess, uh, like lead them down the path that like, hey, like, you know, FTX is not Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I try, for example, I can use the example of my brother who is kind of into, uh, he's into Bitcoin, but he's also a little bit into crypto. I'm trying to get him <laughs> like to understand the real difference between Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto industry. And of course, for, for me, it's easy to see it because I've been in the space for for like a few years now. And then I don't think it's, I think it's impossible to not see that it's really big differences between Bitcoin and like crypto. Uh, but of course, most people on this, if you find a random pe person on the street, they will not understand the difference at all. So it's actually make me a little bit embarrassed when like people ask me about this FTX thing and, and all this. But I just explained to them that this space is so novel that there will be uh, there will be a lot of scammers coming into this space to to exploit people who don't know know anything better and uh, to try to take their money and that's what I, I really think most of the crypto uh, industry is I think is just um, it's just uh, not 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 everything is an outright scam but I think it's uh, it's like a lot of get rich quick schemes where people really don't believe in what they're building and they're just building it to get rich and then dump it on the on the retail. And um yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm uh, just trying to explain the differences between Bitcoin and the rest of the of the crypto industry. So yeah, that's what what I do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. And it, it is a tough time for Bitcoiners out there just because of all this stuff that's going on, you know, uh, exchanges, shutting off withdrawals and kind of just the overall just, you know, it seems like companies are kind of falling like flies. But, you know, what makes you most bullish about the Bitcoin industry going forward? I know you, we both said here that we both very are. So, uh, you know, what what is that one thing that you see or you can point at that's like, hey, you know, this is why I see that Bitcoin's going to make it? Uh, it's just a simple fact that uh, you no one can stop Bitcoin, <laughs> and it's just an entire uh, industry. Or like the industry is not that important. Of of course, you need to have some infrastructure around Bitcoin to make people adopt it. But that's just coming. It's like everything is just falling into its place naturally with Bitcoin because it's a decentralized asset. It's uh, like. Um, the the most free market uh, free market that exists and i believe in free markets and i see how much that fosters innovation in uh, in the like infrastructure around bitcoin for example the lightning network and uh, so I, I believe bitcoin uh, bitcoin will will just survive and it will survive uh, i don't know how long but probably until the end of civilization and just by it surviving, I know that it will like gradually increase in adoption. And you can look at, for example, graphs over or charts over over um, the number of Bitcoin addresses or like uh, things like that. And it's just increasing. Um, 
So I think Bitcoin adoption is, is at an all-time high, even during this bear market. That's make me really bullish. So fundamentally, I think, think uh, things are just going up for Bitcoin. And I, I don't think this FTX situation and all these uh, crypto scams imploding, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for, for Bitcoin. I actually think it can be a good thing because this is really hurting the crypto industry. And I, I would like to see the like entire crypto industry just go away and stop like they, they're like hanging on to Bitcoin. They're like just, I don't know, they like they would be nothing if it wasn't for Bitcoin. So it's Bitcoin, which is like driving the whole like industry forward. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm actually um, of more more bullish than I've been in a very long time right now. There we go. I love to hear it. All right. Well, you've been very generous with your time and I appreciate you coming in and sharing all your knowledge on Bitcoin miners and, uh, you know, everything kind of around that space. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you got going on? Thank you. It's been a great conversation. So um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Jay Mellerud, uh, J-M-E-L-L-E-R-U-D. <laughs> And uh, you can also find me at hashrateindex.com at the blog there. I write a lot of blog posts about Bitcoin mining. So if you're interested in mining, which I guess you are since you listen to this podcast, just go to that and listen to the, uh, and read uh, my blog posts. Yeah, for sure. And be sure to check those out because they're great. And I know you follow you on Twitter because I know you uh, tweet out a lot of the charts and everything like that when it comes to publicly traded miners and those are always interesting so that's what caught my eye with uh with you and that's why i wanted you on the podcast so um great stuff as always and yeah be sure to check him out and give him a follow everywhere you can find him so john thank you so much yeah thank you brandon great conversation